Welcome to the weekly podcast of Capital Outlook from Wyoming PBS. Capital Outlook is a weekly show broadcast whenever the Wyoming legislature is in session from Cheyenne. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. Welcome to Capital Outlook. I'm Bob Beck. Today on the program, we will once again be joined by the Senate President Dan Dockstader and the Speaker of the House Eric Barlow will be discussing the last week of the legislative session as well as some interesting bills that have certainly popped up. We will also, on the Democratic side, be talking with a couple of members of the Joint Appropriations Committee. That is Senator Mike Garou of Jackson and Representative Andy Schwartz of Jackson. We'll also be discussing some other bills with them. And then at the end of the program, we will be joined by Casper Senator Bill Landon, a longtime senator from that community, and Representative Landon Brown of Cheyenne. Stay with us. Capital Outlook is up next. This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway Service Area. Proud to support Wyoming PBS. And by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Capital Outlook. I'm Bob Beck. It's been a busy week of legislating. We're going to talk about that with the Speaker of the House, Eric Barlow, and the Senate President, Dan Dockstader. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Greetings. Uh, Senator, you're always closest to me, so unfortunately we'll start with you. Uh, let's, uh, you know, it was, it was actually kind of an interesting week in the Senate. It, a lot of discussions about things we don't generally talk about at Thanksgiving, but we had an opportunity to talk about on the Senate floor. Uh, let's let's go back, though, if we can, and talk a little bit about the budget and a decision to uh, cut funding, if that's what the amendment did, out of the gender studies program at the University of Wyoming. What what happened? There? Thank you. The issue was actually the money, $1.4 Everybody expressed that they don't want to cause problems with the gender studies. It was $1.4 And the understanding that we have, that, that was five employees under that 1.4. It was a budget issue. It was money. That's where the issue was, not against the program. It, it seems like there's some ripple effects with that. There's some other programs in there. Is that something that potentially could be revisited? Perhaps. But at this point, it was just, just about how much money we were spending on five people. It was, uh, but, but when I heard the discussion, it didn't seem like that. It seemed like there was more discussion about what was being taught in that program. Probably from some, I'll have you go to those individually, but uh, as far as myself and many people on the floor were asking, why are we spending 1.4 for five people? So you think that's why the vote went the way it did? Correct. Okay. Um, the budget also did pass, and we're having the discussions. Uh, speaker, what do you think about what you have in there right now? Well, first of all, I think we should know, the citizens should know, that we're not that far apart in our positions, you know. $30, $40 million is like the, the outside of the, the positions between the House and the Senate out of $8.6 So we're not talking about a, a huge difference. Now, to the uh, previous discussion about you know some of the language, the intricacies within that, the um, language that we add as footnotes, yeah, there's some differences in that. Um, but as far as the dollars, 
we're not that far apart. Um, so I think the you know the negotiations, and so that's what it is. It's a conference committee on the budget. Um, I think they'll iron the majority of it out very quickly, and there'll be some things that you know they have to um, arm twist a little bit with each other on and try to sort out. Because there is more money in that, and then you've got the ARPA bill also uh, floating out there, it, it does seem like there's some things that really could help the state right now. Could you talk about some of the things you like? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reserve money down the road down the f for the future. But right now we're trying to say what what immediate problems we, can we address and and yet not cause problems with overspending. For example, my interest is, is this an opportunity to set up health care facilities around the state that in places they would never have them again? Can we help generations by doing that? Can we put those ARPA dollars into something like that? There may be other places that they'd like to look to put them, but that's where I'm interested in. Is this an opportunity to help help health care in the state of Wyoming? Very similar. We have the ARPA bill with the, the, all that federal dollars, one-time federal dollars the president spoke about, and certainly healthcare facilities in there, and there's you know matching dollars for future federal potential dollars, et cetera. So I think we are trying to find those places where we both realize savings, but also get those boots on the ground type programs available to citizens as soon, soon as possible. So I think you're gonna see a combination of that. Now there was, as you may have heard, saw yesterday, as we debated the ARPA bill, there was a lot of interest in prioritizing how that money gets spent. But really, in the end of the day, we stayed fairly close to what the Senate position was um, because there had been good work. Our JEC had done some very good work in conjunction with the executive branch to lay that out. And so I think, you know, I think we're going to come to a nice position where we both have short-term and long-term, not just aspirations, but actually outcomes. Uh, Senator, couple of social issues, and you had one too that we wanted to talk about, but uh, just bringing up the topic of abortion, a uh, lot of years, we've seen those bills get to a committee or one side or something like that, and, and we really haven't had many debates on that subject on the floor. I expected that to happen this year, judging by what we've seen in the courts and all that. Was it difficult to bring that up, or do you think this was the right time to finally have that discussion? Difficult in terms of a budget session? Yeah. Uh, perhaps, but there's, there's starting to be more of an interest. My perception is more of an interest in it across the state of Wyoming. I traveled across the state during the summer, attended some of these meetings, starting to hear that. I was surprised, Bob, three or four years ago, that uh, an abortion-related bill, uh, a life bill, passed in the Senate. And I had spent a lot of years in the Senate watching those go down. And I remember the first time it passed, I turned to my colleague and I said, well, what about that? There's a change in the Senate. And so they're seeing that change come about. And uh, I think it warrants, uh, there's enough interest across the state, it warrants a con some consideration on the Senate side, at least on our side of the building, taking that approach. Again, bringing a, a lot of discussion, probably killed some bills, but I, I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we did, well, we took, I took a different approach on our side. I said, every member that has personal bills, they get their first choice. So if that first choice is a life bill, then that's what's up there. So we, uh, we took up, uh, you know, one bill, one member said that was their priority and we have it. It's in the Senate's hands now. Um, it, it, you know, went through the House and now it's on the Senate side. You know, the, the, the challenge is for the for presidents and speakers, for resigning officers, you don't you gotta be careful how much time you use on each side for a particular issue because that takes time from other issues. And so, you know, we try whether it's, you know, for Second Amendment 
issues or life issues or whatever, how much time you use. So you try to, at least I try to get a sense of what's going on in, the, in, my, in my colleague's chamber just to say, okay, let's send them something. When, it, when something comes to our side, we've already spent our time on that issue. We'll hold back a bit. There are some concerned about the bill the Senate had on chemical abortions because there was there what lobbyists and some other folks that I have spoken to are concerned that it might um, stop some different procedures from happening. Are you confident that that bill doesn't do that and it just specifically focuses on abortion? I think we put it out there so we can air it out and find out if those issues are, need to be addressed, if that's a concern. I'd come back on that uh, situation where we're talking about how many bills have we killed. And I credit our floor leader for repetitively getting up and saying, every time you choose to speak on one of these bills, you look down that list and you, you've killed somebody else's bill or killed another bill. And that's they had fair warning multiple times. And some didn't get to hear their legislation and didn't hear to that warning. It's a busy, it's always busy. Do you suspect uh, there'll be enough time to hear both of those bills as they flip over? Well, the Senate already already has theirs. I just received um, the, the the Senate file from the Senate um, yesterday, and quite honestly, it's probably outside the timeline that we've laid out to actually accommodate or accomplish our work. Um, it's kind of fallen out of that schedule, and so I don't know that the, sec the Senate file will get heard on our side. You also had a, a lot of interesting debate, I thought, on the transgender bill, and that is the one to keep transgender athletes from competing in women's sports. Senator, you're like myself, you've done a lot of play-by-play, -play. you've done a lot of sports casting in your time. I, I, I'm curious what you thought about that, Bill. I'm usually the fellow behind the camera when it comes to sports. <laughs> I'm more on the news angle. I, I think it, it warranted a discussion in a credit to the senator from Evans bringing it up. Uh, she'd been a coach for a lot of years, and I, I think just based on that, it came from a person who had been involved, and uh, she sensed that it was something that needed to be aired out, and we gave it time. A lot of discussion by Senator Rothfuss and others that the Activities Association has been managing this. Uh, I, I would just wonder if it would be better to leave it up to them or why we would need state law on that. It, it, I think at some point in the future, it will become more of an issue, and it would be good to lay the template out now. Okay, let's uh, talk about something else I would love to hear both of your thoughts on, and uh, this is on crossover elections. I know the party is, in particular, Republican Party, very interested in this. Where did you stand on, on that particular issue? And again, for the viewers, this is one where if you're a Democrat or an Independent, you might want to vote in the Republican primary. Sure, I stood with the bill. Uh, but the people need to realize they have right up to the within three months of the election they can still make that decision. At some point, I think that it's good that uh, one declares where they're at and where they stand, and they can three months out they can still do that. They can look at the people running for election decide where they're at. But however, this particular bill didn't let you do that um, in, unless something has changed along the way, and I think that's the concern I'm hearing from people is you don't see the roster of folks. And, and the reason I think that's interesting is because I know in many races, boy, I, I like that guy who's running for sheriff. It really doesn't matter to me what party they are. I would like to vote for them. Um, and, and I wonder if that doesn't muck some of that up. I don't, I don't think so. I've heard from a few on that, but I've probably heard from more saying, let's allow them to declare their party. Where do you stand on that? Well, I think and I'll speak to the, the local race issue. Um, 
I think you know a lot of folks are are voting for their best friend or their their best friend's niece or nephew who's running for a local office, a local elected office, and and quite honestly, why should some of those races be partisan to begin with? A little different question, obviously, a little different discussion, very different discussion actually. Um, you know, and I understand there's there are interests at the state level, and certainly when it comes to national office about you know the the partisan makeup and the partisan issues. But I think where where it's more challenging for me is at the local level, where we you know we don't re, re, um, elect town council on a partisan basis. Why are we electing you know our sheriff, or our our uh, coroner on a partisan basis? You know, so there's some things that so I think there needs to be a broader discussion to to the president's point is. is are there races where this is appropriate? And are there races where actually, we need to actually rethink, should they be partisan to begin with? You don't want those liberal coroners, uh, Speaker. Yeah, I mean, those, you never know, they, they can get out of control on some of those things. Uh, but county commissioners might be one that is appropriate. Oh, I, I agree. I think there are, like I said, there, there are probably different levels of government where it has a different um, tone to it or a different uh, effect. Both the House and Senate uh, passed different sort of breaks for energy, one oil and gas over on the Senate side, and, and one was coal that uh, on your side. Can we start with you and just talk a little bit about uh, that effort for coal? There are some people that are very concerned uh, about losing potentially $10 million a year in revenue. You know, the coal one, actually, I, I don't know if you've heard my floor discussion was, so this, there's only something, one thing wrong with this bill. It's only half as much as it should be. Many years, several years ago, I brought a bill to make equitable tax. Now we can talk about equitable based on a you know um, percentage, and other people like to talk equitable based on a BTU or an energy equivalent, i.e., coal, oil, gas. Let's get them on an energy equivalent. But right now, uh, oil and gas are at six percent severance, and coal is at seven. This would drop it to six. So you know that's a drop of you know fourteen percent, or you know that do the math. Is it equitable? I mean, that's what I was trying to approach, equitable, just like we talk about with redistricting, other things, is are we treating people equally unfairly? I don't, maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the way to approach it. And, that, and that's why I'm supportive of it. It also happens to be my community that produces a whole lot of that coal. The Senate bill's a little different. Can you explain that? Well, I, yes, but first of all, the mineral and energy issues are why I'm here. You spoke of other issues mm -hmm. before that. Quite honestly, that is not my full interest, my interest is in what drives the engine of Wyoming, whether it be coal, oil, and gas, now nuclear. Uh, we are looking at new wind energy. Let's get it all gathered up. Let's find one person out there, perhaps pivoted out of the governor's office, that we can bring this together in a manner where we've got companies coming into Wyoming and making sure that uh, that all of this stays intact and that that's our interest. That is my interest. Uh, you talk about many topics here, but the energy, the energy market, oil, gas, minerals, all of it, that's where I'm interested in now nuclear. We're opening up a door of opportunity in Wyoming and we can't get sidetracked on all these other issues. We have to keep the energy, the energy uh, picture of Wyoming bright and strong because that's what's going to fund everything. You talk about dropping the coal. We got pretty accustomed to that. I drive people past my elementary schools in my valley and I say, that's Gillette coal that made that happen, folks. And we took it for granted. Now we're gonna try to give them a break, different vari variations of it, but that's still what drives the engine, Bob. We gotta stay focused on what Wyoming stands for. If, if we do those things and, and we try and use reduced taxes to help them, at the same time, don't we have to come back and, and review our whole tax 
revenue situation. We're, I'm already in discussions with that, uh, looking at proposals that we could look at in the interim. Uh, we're going to have to do that, but uh, why not uh, help those who have helped us for so long in so many areas? We took it for granted. Folks didn't realize how minerals, how the fossil fuels, and now the wind energy are driving the economy of this state. We have been on scholarship uh, yes, <laughs> for the most part. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I think I jinxed the whole process. Talked about how smoothly everything went with redistricting over in the House. You must have. That was you. <laughs> that was all, it's totally my fault. Uh, so the Senate has dropped us back to 30 and 60. And does that seem like a position that, that they're going to want to stick with? Uh, we have seven or eight proposals we're going to bring up on third reading. Uh, and people will see this at different times, but we'll have a decision made. The concerns with uh, some of it were that we were, I have senators that, con that are concerned that we're gonna grow government with the additional positions. And uh, we're, gonna, we're getting that sorted out, and there are proposals out there that find ways to do it without those additional positions, but we'll air it out entirely. Last week uh, of the session is coming up. Are we gonna get out of here on time, you think? That's my plan. Well, we don't have any extra days. So <laughs> there is uh, next Friday, somebody who's going to be hitting a gavel. And well, both of us will be hitting the gavel saying we are adjourned. Um, now, if we have more work to do, that'll be outside of this session right here. All right. Well, it's been fun so far. Uh, again, Speaker Barlow, Senator Dockstader, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to talk with a couple of Democrats from the legislature. Stay with us. This is Capital Outlook. Welcome back to Capital Outlook. Again, I'm Bob Beck. Joining us from the Democratic Party, we have Senator Mike Garou and Representative Andy Schwartz. They're both from Jackson. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bob. It's good to be here. Morning, Bob. Well, it's good to start with the budget because both of you happen to be on the Appropriations Committee. The bill is in Conference Committee. Any snags so far? Well, uh, Bob, no. I mean, right now we've, uh, we're about halfway through. And um, yeah, I think the, the overarching theme of this whole session, as far as the budget goes, is I think, and this is my second one, and of course two interim budgets, but it, I think the theme is how well we've worked together um, in a time when there's a lot of divisiveness, especially over on the Senate side, on the Senate floor. The two committees have worked well, and you know, the governor gave us a good budget, and I think that we've, uh, you know, the House and the, and the Senate have worked together. We know each other. We've been through a couple of these before, and it's moving along. What's your read? I basically agree with the senator. I would add, though, that we've gotten about halfway through the agreements, but what's left out there, a lot of them are the big picture spending policy concepts, the wh whether we save or don't save, put them in reserve accounts or permanent accounts. And that those are big policy issues and they'll, they'll be a little harder to um, solve. Yeah, uh, Andy's right. The, the, you know, the Senate and the House have some philosophical differences. And it's interesting uh, because, you know, the, we both want to get to the same place. And so on our side, it's a little bit more, we took, whether it was um, conserved ARPA dollars, dollars that we converted to general funds and tried to, our big push with that was to put a lot of it towards savings. 
Um, you know, as you know, Bob, almost one out of every four dollars that we use in government today is from interest income from our from our um, investment accounts, and so we felt that it was a a goal of ours to put a significant portion of that towards savings for the future. Um, I know the house wants to, you know, it's all for the, like say for the best of Wyoming, the house has a little bit of a different take on it. So we're going to have to work that through, but I think we'll get there. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I would add there's what we do on the appropriations committee, but it's tied very closely to what we've been doing in capital finance and investments, where we are looking at trying to go to the uh, endowment model for our funds. And I won't go into the details, but the, the bottom line is that we, the House's position right now is not to put quite as much money in the corpuses because we want to create um, the ability to invest differently. And get revenue from that. And get revenue from that. Well, uh, one of the things we do need to talk about is the Senate put in an amendment uh, to get rid of the gender studies program at the University of Wyoming. Uh, Senator Dockstader just informed us that that was all about money. I thought it was more about what was being taught there. Uh, your thoughts? Well, one in the Senate doesn't get fat by uh, uh, contradicting the president, so I would not would not ever want to presume that he was that he was wrong on an issue. But I would say I think there was a little more. There were some other facets to it as well. Let's say that I think that uh, for Senator Steinmetz, I think it's a philosophical issue to to a large degree, and one that she feels strongly about um, the the. Senate voted by just one vote to to have that amendment in. Um, there's a, you know, I think there's different views. I frankly am one that does not share her view on that. And um, the House, of course, did not bring it forward. And matter of fact, didn't even rule that it was germane to the budget bill at all. And so we're going to have to work that through. And I would, I would, uh, you know, I would tend to think that we will work it through. I think that. Uh, I think that it'll probably live to, she'll have to live to fight another day on that one. You did, as he just suggested, you ruled this out of order over in the House. So does that mean you're just not going to budge on that? Um, personally, I'm not going to budge on it. I can't speak for my colleagues, but I think they feel pretty strongly it's, it's inappropriate in the budget. I might add the head of the gender studies program at the university is the minority floor leader in the house. So um, for more than one reason, it's problematic for us. <laughs> that, that, yeah, an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> does add a little spice to the drama. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly does. But it does seem like it, it ties in with some of the discussions we've had uh, this session with critical race theory. And I think that was it. Uh, Senator Steinmetz looked at what was being taught in gender studies and really didn't care for the direction of some of those things and, and decided to bring the amendment. And uh, Representative Schwartz, you made national news uh, with your uh, thoughts on critical race theory. Um, it's not something you're fond of. Um, that would be an understatement. I, I mean, to begin with, I thought the particular bill was terribly written and would have made it almost impossible to teach history in our K-12 schools. Um, and obviously, I, I took it a little personally. But at a higher level, I don't think the legislature should be dealing with curriculum in the schools. I mean, I'm not sure it's even constitutional. 
um, or statutorily acceptable, and I object to it. I mean, we can, we we create the basket of goods. That's fine, but I think after that, it's the state board of education. But even more appropriately, the local school district should be determining how they teach. Senator, I couldn't agree more um, with Andy. And I think you know, as far as the Senate side goes, and I think we've seen this since the special session. Um, I talked about it on the floor about the, the, <clears throat> the it, a lot of these policies, a lot of these ideas that are coming forth, critical race theory, what was going on with the you know, pandemic and mask orders and vaccination orders, the gender studies program, a lot of these issues you see, I think they all, you can trace it back to, uh, to fear, a fear of change. You know, our country's changing. It's evolving. Um, is it all good? I don't know. I, I, you know, but I do know this. I know that. I know that, especially with a group in the in the Senate, they see that change as a threat, and they want to eradicate it. So they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to really have. You know, and you can you can add in. You can add in, you know, Medicare expansion. You can add in, you can add in a, a myriad of different issues to that. But uh, that's what I see. It's just, you know, we don't want to talk about it. We just want to get rid of it. We want to put it aside, and that's the general theme. And I don't think it's good for the body. I don't think it's good for. I, I don't think it's good for the people of Wyoming. It's not been quite as bad over in the House. At least that's been my read. Um. No, it has not been quite as bad in the, on the House side, but um, that undercurrent is there as well. I just think the numbers are a little different. Um, to digress a little bit, though, I think part of the problem is how people are getting information. And I, this, this show is a wonderful example of how local statewide news can be very informative, but most people don't get their news that way. It's national news sources. So something like critical race theory, it really isn't about critical race theory, which is a very sophisticated college graduate level course, but it becomes, it's a phrase that, that resonates with a lot of people. So consequently, we get bills on it, and the bills have nothing to do with critical race theory. Abortion came up on both sides, and uh, I thought that was inevitable coming into the session, looking at some of the court uh, discussions. The Senate has a bill that's a little different than the House, in, in my opinion, in that it could take some action and cause some people potentially some difficulty. At least that's what we heard in testimony. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Senate file, I believe it's 83, and it has to do with um, doctors using chemicals and that can, as a result, cause abortion. And the problem, Bob, is that it, what it does is it turns our medical community into people who, you know, now, you know, in just performing their daily duties with, with, uh, with regards to women who may have, have other problems, other problems while being pregnant, if they use these drugs or if there is a spontaneous abortion, if there's a miscarriage, use these drugs to help facilitate something that's already happening naturally, uh, they become criminals. And, and so now we're making criminals out of doctors. And when you do that, um, they're just not going to practice, and so now you're now you're telling 
half the population that in certain circumstances, you're gonna to have to leave the state for medical care. That's an awful message to send, especially at a time when we're trying to grow our economy, where we're trying to invite people to come here. And, uh, and, and so it's a mixed message that sends, I think, a bad signal. And so, and once again, uh, and I think as Andy mentioned it quite well, I think that a lot of these bills, they're coming from national organizations. They're not, you know, they're not written here. They're they're written somewhere else. They're spit out, and I call them commercial bills. You know, there's folks up in the gallery taking pictures of folks giving speeches about them, and so they can use them in campaigns. And that's I don't think it's good for our discourse. I don't don't believe, but that's not my call. The House bill, it depends on what the Supreme Court does, and, and then it kicks things into play, but we certainly heard some emotional testimony. Oh, the testimony is, it's hard to sit through it on both sides, because it is, it's all very personal. Um, but I, I think the Senator brought up an important issue that ultimately this is gonna have an impact on Wyoming's healthcare system because if doctors are hesitant to come here because they're threatened with losing their license to practice, I mean, if I were a medical professional, I would think twice. And we already have a problem in the state with um, a shortage. Um, I think the other issue it highlights is we might not have enough women in the legislature. Yeah, and, and that's a, a certainly interesting discussion that uh, was raised by a couple of people. So it's, it's I, I, who knows if there'll be enough time to pass either one of those bills, but it's, it's clearly coming back. And so we're not going away, and, and we'll see how this all plays out. I want to ask you about the transgender bill that uh, certainly had a lot of discussion. Uh, the bill, again, we talked about it in the last segment, but... Um, the senator who brought the bill uh, is really, I think, from her heart coming from the position that this is unfair for women athletes and trying to address the situation. There might be some other people that have some other things going on there, but I really truly believe that Senator Schuler uh, just is going to the mat on this one, thinking that uh, women athletes could be disenfranchised. Yes, Bob. Uh, you know, Senator Schuler is, at, you know, and all my colleagues are terrific. I enjoy working with uh, working with all of them. And on this one, you're absolutely right. It was just a straight fairness issue for her. Now, in my view, I felt that you know the state had a policy. The high school sports association had a policy with regard to this. It was working. It has been working. Um, but um, I think that uh, you know Senator Shula had another view, and it was honest. It was heartfelt, just like they all are. It's it's the same. When we talk about um, Senator Steinmetz and her bill, it's like you know she and I sit next to each other in appropriations and have for two years. And I say this all the time: we work together on many issues, and it's an interesting thing. And, and Senator Shula is the same way. We're you know the, in our personal lives, you know, we're all married, we have kids, we have work. Um, Senator Steinmetz and I both own small businesses here in Wyoming. There's 80% of our lives are all kind of intertwined and in, you know, living in the, the Wyoming life. And so we get to some of these issues and we, we have different views, but um, when we stick to talking about those personal things, you find out these are real good folks. Now there's a small group that inside our, especially on our side, that practice another form of politics, and it's the politics of destruction. 
And that's the thing that makes it a really tough place to work. Um, and it, I was shocked, frankly, yesterday when the president of the Senate had to had to read had to read out on a on a, a rule saying that you couldn't film uh, members couldn't film each other or could not record each other's conversations. I was like, what? I I didn't know someone was walking around recording private conversations. Seems that it was, and so those types of things that are that are used used to just to divide and destroy, and and that that is there's I think that is bad for the body. It's not up to what I call what I would call the you know honoring the institution of the Senate. But when you talk about Senator Schuler and that bill, um, like I say, that was just a you know she was coming from the heart on a problem, and, and I could tell you know we got a lot of letters because a lot of folks you know feel very differently about that. People who have transgender kids, they just want to compete. They just want to be able to find a place in the world for their kids to compete, and they're just kids. And so that's where the that's where that issue, and where I came down is like you know I think there's a way we can accommodate this, and so you know that was the way you know that it didn't go that way on the floor. You had another controversial issue over in the House, and and it dealt with pregnant women and and taking drugs and. Uh, tell folks maybe a little bit about that bill and and you know maybe some of your concerns about it. So the bill was uh, essentially that mothers, women who are pregnant, who are using drugs, and it was, it was primarily methamphetamine, um, could be subject to criminal penalties, including incarceration. Um, it kind of goes back to what Senator Grew said. It was brought with the best of intentions by a person who is actually a prosecuting attorney. Um, the question was, what will be the impact of the bill? And will it actually help the mothers and help the babies? And I think from my perspective, it would have the opposite effect of what was intended by these women are then gonna be hesitant to get medical care, uh, prenatal med medical care, because they're afraid of going to jail. And that's not good for the mother or the baby. So um, the bill passed, it'll go to the Senate. But I, I, I was amongst the group that thought ultimately the impact will be negative. And just to balance it out a little bit, I think Representative Oakley, and, and I've talked actually to some law enforcement people about this, there is a loophole in the law if somebody is born with some effects. Uh, from all of this, and, and I guess there's other ways to get at that, but this was the one that she particularly chose. I understand that. I just feel that um, prosecution is not necessarily the best avenue to deal with this situation. And yes, there's a loophole in the law, but I, I, I think the, I'll go back to what I said. It's just not the best way to deal with it. Medicaid expansion failed, tried some budget amendments, tried a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and once again, do you ever see a scenario, Representative, where that's going to pass this legislature? I'm the eternal optimist. Um, yes, I think eventually 
enough members of, of the body will recognize that it's good for Wyoming citizens, it's good for Wyoming health care, and it's actually good for the state from a financial perspective. I, I ran the bill myself, I'm losing track of time, maybe three years ago. Um, it, little by little, it's getting more support. I, I honestly don't understand the downside. More support in the House of Representatives. You may need some <laughs> an election uh, to fix things in the Senate. It's it's got a ways to go in the Senate, but you know, actually, I think it may be. You know, this year it got nine votes. Uh, we brought it up as a budget amendment because we couldn't get it on the floor as a bill. It was you know it was drawered. It didn't it didn't make it to the floor. So this year, Senator Case brought it as an amendment. Um, and it only got nine votes. I believe that if this, honestly, that if this non-election year, um, in a straight budget year, we would have been a lot closer. I think, uh, I actually believe that uh, we're not that far away. Um, you know, we'll see over the next couple of years how budgets go and all that, but right now, we have walked away, the state of Wyoming has walked away from billions of dollars in medical aid that could help thousands of people across the state. And to me, it's unconscionable that we haven't done it, but we haven't. And so we're going to keep trying and uh, we'll get there. I believe we will get there. Before I let you two go, you're up, you're both from Jackson, of course. Uh, real estate transfer tax was a bill that um, I don't know. There was a lot of money, smart money bet on a victory on, on that one, but uh, it didn't go through. But there are certainly housing issues there and across the state. If you can't get that, but how do you fix those issues, do you think? So the real estate transfer tax is close to my heart. I think I've tried to run the bill through the Revenue Committee for Talk six years. Talk about optimism. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the eternal optimist on that one. I'm actually letting Representative Yin now carry that flag. But um, it, it is true. The housing issues that we deal with in Teton County are, are different just because of the scale. The median price of a home is somewhere around 2.7 million. That's not true in the other counties. Nonetheless, they, there are a lot of housing issues throughout the state that need to be addressed. Um, and I think a real estate transfer tax is a county option. The, the bill has never been about forcing people all over the state to pay real estate transfer. It's where a county commissioners put it on the ballot and the people vote for it. I think it I think it has great potential to help deal with these housing issues, whether it's affordability or the quality of the housing, because a lot of places it's it's about substandard housing that people live in, not that it's too expensive for people to buy. So it's it's a fight. I, I, I won't it's another one like Medicaid expansion that you just keep trying and um, hope for success. But if it doesn't get through, uh, how do you deal with housing? And it's not, I mean, Jackson's the most extreme situation, but you go throughout the state. We did a story on Sheridan facing some serious issues. Absolutely right, Bob. Uh, you know, this was 10 years ago, a Teton County only issue. And we would talk about it, whether through um, representatives uh, work with the real estate transfer tax or other avenues, nothing. Today, it is getting heard. It is getting traction. Uh, you, you know, spoke to the president in the last segment. I think he, from especially with Northern Lincoln County in his district, has gained a new appreciation. As a matter of fact, he signed on with 
with with me to try to move some ARPA dollars, and and uh, we didn't quite get that done. We're hoping that maybe there will be something in the house, um, but either way, and even you know, talking with the governor yesterday, he knows that uh, this is a problem in Lincoln County. It's a problem in Sheridan. It's a problem here in Cheyenne, and Andy hit on something that. Uh, um, that I think is really key on this is it's not just housing per se, but it's quality housing. You know, it really is. It's, it's having a good housing stock for the middle class. If we're going to ever diversify this economy the way we talk about, we're going to need that. And today it's evaporating and we need to take stock of that. And so I think that we need a statewide effort, frankly, that's bigger than the state transfer tax, I think, or the real estate transfer tax. That's a piece and a piece that could generate millions just from our county alone. Uh, but, and, I'm, and I think we'd love to help, but uh, no, this is a statewide issue. It's not going away. And each year I notice now the lights come on, more more representatives, uh, more senators are starting to see it in their communities. And so I think it's one that in the, in the next couple of years, you're going to see some real movement. Now. Senator Guru, Representative Schwartz, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Stay with us. We will wrap up the program with a discussion about a number of transportation issues and some other bills. This is Capital Outlook. Welcome back to Capital Outlook. Again, I'm Bob Beck. From Casper, we have Senator Bill Landon, and from right here in Cheyenne, we have Representative Landon Brown. Pleasure having both of you with us. Uh, Representative, I'm going to start with you, and I just want to quickly ask you about redistricting. Uh, the bill is being worked on, and we're, we're not quite there yet, but uh, I think it's been fascinating to watch all the discussion about Cheyenne. Can you explain what you're hoping to get out of this bill? Yeah, Bob, thanks for having me. And, and I think all of Laramie County is in the same boat right now. Uh, we just want our representation. Um, you know, Laramie County has been one of the few counties that actually saw growth in the past 10 years. And we're just looking for that rightful representation. And a few of the plans that have been out there uh, to diminish that representation of the one man, one vote have been a little problematic for the Laramie County delegation. So uh, I stand along with the rest of my colleagues to make sure that Laramie County is, is fully represented, whether it's through the representation of that additional three quarters of a representative or that three quarters of a senator. Senator Landon, I was explaining that I'm the one who jinxed it. I mentioned to the speaker on last week's program that, wow, that's going smoothly and uh, no problems whatsoever. And, and you're having a little bit more debate in the Senate. Well, we are. And, you know, it was kind of expected. Uh, some of our rural districts out there who didn't like some of the tweaks that were provided under the 6231 plan uh, ran the amendment and um, it, uh, it uh, passed very decidedly. And so now we're sitting on a 60-30 split, House of Representatives versus Senate. And uh, we're going to work that bill, I think, today and, and see what what maybe comes out of that. But yeah, it's it's possible that maybe the Senate will come all the way back to the 6231 plan, uh, might find out that we can't make the 6030 work. So uh, it's been an interesting discussion. I was told this week uh, after it switched that uh, county clerks have been active or reaching out to senators. Could you uh, enlighten the folks on what you've heard? Well, you know, I served as, as chairman of the Corporations Committee for a couple of years and uh, really found out during those days that our county clerks out across the state are the rock stars of, 
of our system. And they, they have been absolutely amazing, uh, terrific. And I bet uh, Representative Brown can vouch for that too. Uh, ours up in Toronto County has been uh, amazing. And um, regardless of what plan, they have spent the hours it takes to, to work that through and, and find out if precincts are gonna work and if there's any splits involved, where do we need to draw those lines? So they've been, uh, they've been so helpful in the process. It's lots and lots of hours to finally get to something that we can hopefully agree on. And I think the, the big issue for the House has been these large districts, right, is, is where you have to go across several counties? Yeah, I mean, that's a portion of it. Um, I think the, the biggest issue that the House faced was whether or not we wanted to look at even growing government. And, and what came out of the Corporations Committee was not the most ideal for, for what most uh, Wyomingites wanted to see, which was growing government. Uh, but what we saw was that 60-30 split just made it very difficult. And mainly up in the northern part of the state with the basin, um, we had a very, very hard time, including pretty much anything with the basin, not going hundreds of miles away. So it, it's, a, it's a difficult task. But as Senator Landon mentioned, it's our, our county clerks were the absolute rock stars, spending countless hours uh, making sure that the lines that we were drawing were making it the best available uh, for, for them and for the constituents to not have uh, multiple ballots that they had to vote on when they go in for, for anything along those lines. Well, you're the chairman of the Transportation and Military Affairs Committee, and you had a, a, an interesting legislation that honestly has slipped through the cracks a little bit, and I don't think it's getting talked enough about, and, and that's uh, dealing with uh, some issues and allegations of sexual abuse in the National Guard. You've got some legislation going through the system to address that. Could, could you explain to folks what you're trying to do? You know, we do, uh, Bob. It's been a, uh, I'm really proud of that committee. Uh, we received a report from our military um, department, which we had requested. Just knowing what's going on out across the country, about a year, year and a half ago, we, we asked the military department to take a, a hard look at everything. They came back in November and gave us a report. Um, and the committee uh, listened to testimony uh, for an entire day. And we actually scheduled an additional meeting in January to take up some of the issues that we heard and develop three or four bills that have made it through the process. One of the bills that just arrived in the Senate has already gone through Representative Brown's uh, house and uh, uh, that would provide for some additional help, some cooperation between workforce services and our military department to hopefully give a little bit more um, expedited effort to any sort of uh, uh, accusation or situation that might arise. Um, I think that's an important piece because um, it allows for workforce services to set aside someone that the military department can count on right away if, if there's a EEOC complaint. Um, there's a couple other bills with it, uh, annual reports so that we can keep a, a close eye on what's going on in the military department. but. Uh, Really proud of that work. Representative Brown, in, we did some reporting on this uh, very early on in the process. And, you know, it, it was a little disturbing that, that there have been people who, and, and maybe you can explain this a little further, what the allegations were, because there were some people that just, frankly, they're being dismissed and, and set aside. And, and I know when we tried to look into it, getting some answers was very difficult. Did you run into the same thing on the committee? You know, I think the committee, um, in my opinion, was given the 
good information up front. Um, I think that it was an unfortunate set series of events that it took us to come to a committee a meeting to in order to get that information. Um, I actually have one of the one of the uh, one of my constituents is one of those that felt that they were dismissed. And so, um, you know, I worked with the governor's office and I worked with the the military department and I investigated on my own. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's not enough as well. And, and sometimes people feel that they need to be heard uh, on a larger, larger stage and they, they need to make sure that, that they've gone through all, everything that they have the opportunity to. Um, I don't feel like, um, you know, our military department is trying to hide anything. Um, I just think that they, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard spot when it comes to the, the federal side of things and what they're doing for, as far as the military, but then also answering to the state side as ours. And so as the, the good senator and chairman has mentioned, we're wrapping that up by making sure that they understand that they are a state agency and uh, they do report to us as well. Are you confident this is going to get to the problem? I'm not confident that it will get to the problem. I do think that it gives us a few more tools uh, in the tool chest to make sure that we're trying to address the problem as best as possible. I do think that having that EEOC claim uh, representative out of the uh, Department of Workforce Services is a major step in the right direction, um, but I'm not positive that it will solve every problem. Um, I think we're going to continue to see issues, but that's not just in the military department either. I think we, we that's what we do is we continue to see uh, problems bubble up and we attack them as we can. Senator? You know, I, I agree with the representative. I think this is something that, that needs to stay on the front burner. Um, it's a step in the right direction. Some of the legislation we were able to bring this uh, session. Uh, but we certainly intend to work very closely with our military department, keep an eye on this. Um, there might be some things we can do in the future to, you know, our, uh, I think the, the main thing that the committee was focused on is trying to create the best environment we can for our National Guard members and for the rest of our military and give them the opportun opportunity when there is agreements. You know, let's let's uh, make it as expedient as we can for them and uh, and try to take care of our employees out there. You have another bill, I think, that slid through the cracks. We've been so focused on these controversial things this <laughs> session, especially over in the Senate, that we didn't get a chance to talk about it. And, and I think it passed 30 to nothing is your amendments to stalking. I was here when they passed the stalking legislation all those years ago, and it was a very difficult thing to actually get passed. And now we're, we're seeing 30 to nothing. Explain what your bill does, because it's fascinating what, what uh, the, these are today's times with uh, electronics and all of that. Well, thank you for that question. I, I you know, I, I do think it's an ongoing effort. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Representative Brown was the was the House sponsor of that bill four or five years ago. Uh, we worked very hard to get some changes made to that section of our laws. And we're not there yet. Uh, this particular bill that's coming through uh, is going to address the electronic surveillance piece, which is unfortunately exploding in our society. It's it's way too easy for someone to uh, hack into a telephone or to place a little device up underneath uh, the car uh, and, and um, stalk uh, people out there. And so that's what this piece of legislation would do is just Make sure that everybody knows in our green books, we consider that against the law. Uh, you cannot surveil somebody without their permission. 
Yeah, Bob, I, I think this is a, a, a fantastic step in the right direction. Uh, I appreciate the good senator allowing me to co-sponsor that legislation and carry it on the House side a few years ago in, in the same way with this one. Um, you know, technology is exploding at a rapid pace. And what we've seen is people use it for nefarious activities. And uh, we'd like to make sure that, you know, if somebody's using that illegally, uh, we, as we see that it's illegal, we'd like them to be held accountable for it. And this is, this is a, an, again, another step in the right direction. Will it solve every problem? Absolutely not, but it's a step in the right direction. We'll continuously uh, work for in incremental changes to make sure that, you know, our victims are, are heard and that they're treated equitably. Bill, it isn't quite as successful. It was an attempt to get the fuel tax uh, increased. And what's what's the problem? I look at that bill. I have never seen gas prices ever affected by a fuel tax increase. But is it is it a perception thing? What 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 keeps it from? Uh, why is it such a challenge in the house? You know, it's interesting, Bob. I can remember uh, before I entered the legislature, there was a ten cent gasoline tax that was added in in the morning that it went into effect on July first. I believe it was twenty twelve. All the gas stations in Cheyenne saw it go 10 cents a gallon up, but then three days later they realized, oh, that doesn't affect us. And so they brought it back down. Um, it was, a, I think it's, in my opinion, I do believe that it's a, it's a vision problem. I think it's an optics problem of even just adding the tax at the distribution level, uh, people don't quite understand what that means. And so unfortunately, that means that our roads are not getting taken care of the way that they need to. We have diminishing assets right now and, and we really need to take care of them. We've seen a couple of amendments to the budget and to ARPA funding over the past couple of days that have tried to bring on new roads uh, to reroute I-80. The problem with that that I have, in my opinion, is we've still got deteriorating assets elsewhere that we need to make sure we take care of, and that gas tax would have gone to that. Yeah, and you don't even get the chance to talk about it because I can't get it out of there. But right. it's it's a huge issue, and, and you know anybody that's driven the state uh, knows that we've got some concerns. And I know the Department of Transportation comes to you, it seems like every year, with some real serious concerns about all this. Well, you know, as chairman of the committee, I can tell you it's, it's, it's the number one issue. It's the number one policy issue for transportation, and that is how do we shore up that infrastructure out there? We're very uh, fortunate to have the infrastructure bill passed by Congress, which, which gives us an opportunity that I, I hope we take full advantage of. But, but quite frankly, the representative is right. We, we have a... Um, it's the single biggest piece of our economy in Wyoming is those is our roadways and our highways, the interstate highways. And we have to get to a point where our generation can step up and, and help pay for that infrastructure out there. It seems to be a concern. Is it probably not going to come from a tax? Is it going to probably have to come from some other avenue of diversion, something like that? Well, you know, we, we considered a bill in the Senate, but there were two vehicles that our transportation committee forwarded to this session, and one was the gasoline tax. The second one was, was to divert some of that uh, statutory severance tax diversion, which we thought would give a, a consistent source of revenue uh, to the highway department, not only to match that infrastructure money that's coming from the federal government, but also down the road to have a consistent source that we could we could go in and start fixing some of the highways. Uh, that bill also uh, failed in the Senate by a 16-14 vote. Um, so it was close, but at least we have, I think, on the radar screen, the the notion that hey, we've got to we've got to do something going forward. Your thoughts? I completely agree, and I think that the diversion uh, was a was a good compromise, in my opinion. 
Um, you know, Representative Obermuller brought that forward and said, you know, we've clearly got issues. Uh, we've clearly got something that we need to address here. And instead of raising taxes, uh, which everybody's opposed to, let's let's look at using some of the current sources of revenue. Um, the sixteen fourteen vote is is promising, in my opinion. I think that means that we actually have the opportunity to have this discussion again in the future and and maybe change a few minds. Senator, we we have about 90 seconds left. I want to ask you, you've been in the Senate a long time. Um, I'm getting questions when I go home, uh, coffee shops, the gym or whatever it is. Is, what, is there trouble in the, in the state Senate? I'm curious your read on what's happening over there. You know, it has changed. I, the last two or three years uh, has, uh, I think, been a, a little bit uh, rambunctious in the Senate. It, it used to be a, a quieter, more more sort of thoughtful place, and now we're we're kind of throwing some things around that are that are interesting to say the least. Uh, I thought the the budget amendments, particularly the one that reached down into the curriculum at the University of Wyoming, uh, we just have never done that before. Um, just um, you know, some bills that um, that leadership has chosen to bring forward that during a budget session we probably would not have in the past. Um, and so the, the, the House is going to get to look at some bills that are passing the Senate right now that, that really don't have a lot to do with the budget. I would have preferred to maybe spend a little bit more time looking at the budget. Yeah. Senator Bill Landon of Casper, always nice having you. And of course, Cheyenne Representative Landon Brown, a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for Pam. joining us. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for joining us today on Capital Outlook. We have one more week of the legislative session coming up. Uh, we'll have a last program for you, and we'll also introduce you to the new host of this program. That's all next week. Join us then. This program is supported in part by a grant from the BNSF Railway Foundation, dedicated to improving the general welfare and quality of life in communities throughout the BNSF Railway Service Area. Proud to support Wyoming PBS. And by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.